Mommy, can we talk about technology? Sure, Ava. Welcome to Therapy and Technology, where we host a conversation regarding technology and how it's integrated in the counseling profession. Hey guys, so I've realized that there is so much more research that needs to be done for suicide prevention in order for us to be more effective clinicians. I've been reading several articles that point to whether or not there is much efficacy in the way that we attend to our clients who are struggling with suicidal ideations, but even more what is concerning is the growing telehealth concerns around this topic. Suicide and telehealth is still developing, and I believe that they are testing clinical trials with veterans, which has yielded much information in its efficacy. So I wanted to share with you guys five tips for dealing with someone who is suicidal in a telehealth session in order to assist all of us in becoming just more confident if something like this happens to us, which it will. So it's not a question of whether it will. It's a question of when. So when it actually happens, it is actually a very scary feeling. I remember sitting at the desk and my heart started beating so fast. I felt like it was going to jump out of my chest. And if a client is sitting on their screen and they tell you that they feel like dying, natural instinct for us as counselors is to go right to what we've been trained to do, ask the right questions. But there is a fear that I feel we all have when it comes to this specific situation because we want nothing more than for our clients to live. So I know for me, at least for me, there was a bit of fear that I was struck with. But what saved me was that I repeated to myself, Jess, do what you would do if they were in your office. And that really helped me to facilitate a better session and lead the clients to the help that they really needed at that moment. So I wanted to just drop really quickly five quick tips to help us become more confident in providing this type of assistance to our clients when they're in crisis via telehealth. So tip number one is to know our client's location before every session. And, you know, you can confirm this in a nonchalant way, you know, a little bit of small talk before you get to the meat and potatoes of the session, such as like, oh, so are you home today? You know, and and just incorporate it in your small talk before the session. But it's important for us to know the client's location. The second tip is for us to know where the closest emergency rooms are to our client. And what I've been talking to my assistant about was, you know, having her just check where the closest emergency room is to the client once they tell us their location and they fill out their intake paperwork. And also uh, know the name and number of an emergency contact. We still need that information, even if it's telehealth. And what we have to think about is whether or not, you know, what would we do if we had to make a call to a a significant other? So we have to make sure that we have an emergency name and number on file as well. I've actually had that placed into my intake a long time ago, but even more so now that I practice telehealth. Tip number three is to ask the right questions. So for those of you who who may not be sure of what questions to ask on the SAMHSA website, there is a look at the safety uh, suicide risk assessment, which is evidence-based. And some people may know what the safety suicide risk assessment is, but if you don't, you know, or if you do and you just need to be reoriented, those questions, there's five basic go-to questions that we all should know when our client appears to be presenting with a crisis situation. So 
those questions should be in arm's reach. And they're questions that ask about, you know, the client's risk, uh, um, their risk and what their potential risks are, um, you know, and we're asking about profet- pro- protective factors and we're getting information that's going to help us to be able to decide what is the best intervention to put into place at the end of that conversation. So I would recommend that you just make a copy of the safety assessment and put it somewhere, you know, tape it to your wall or your desk. If you're like me, then you're anal about tape, tape on the walls, <laughs> but you can take the safety assessment and put it on your desk. Uh, Tip number four is to document the experience very well. Um, You know, we have to make sure that we cover ourselves and documentation. That can be an entire conversation in itself. But document very well what your recommendations were were for the client. And then tip number five, reevaluate your process and follow up. So what I did after, so this actually just happened to me like two days ago, and I had to reevaluate the entire process, um, my systems, did I feel confident enough, where did I get stuck, and what could I have done better? And I felt as though that allowed me to also be really cognizant of what I need to always refresh myself about uh, regarding suicide risk assessing and reading more. It prompted me to read more on suicide risk assessment and telehealth. So the follow-up piece is something I just do because I get concerned that my clients may need to be checked on. So this is optional, but I strongly recommend it. I made a phone call to my client the same night and then I followed up the next day. So I think that we should really look at our systems and evaluate them before this happens so we before this happens so that we are proactive and not reactive. There is an app that was developed recently, I believe back in 2017 or 2016. I have to look at the dates again, but it's called MindMe. And what they're doing is they're trying to keep the client engaged in therapy throughout the week, even if they don't have a therapy session. And it's not a means to like replace therapy like some of these other apps like BetterHelp or, um, you know, therapist on demand that just kind of like give you a therapy session, but it's more so an additive to the counseling experience for therapists to be able to recommend their clients. I'm really excited about researching this app more because if this app does what it says it does, then I believe that it's a great way for us to look at ways in which we could stay, you know, in connection with our clients throughout the week. There's a daily mood log that they can chart. And I believe if I'm not mistaken that, you know, parts of those reports, we can view our clients' progress throughout the week. So once I get more information on that app, I will be, you know, reviewing it. But there are things that are coming about in our field regarding suicide risk assessment and telehealth. And so we need to keep our ears open, our minds uh, very in tune with what's happening. I am looking currently for a, a specific training that is suicide based for uh, telehealth. And so they are there are some out already. And so I would encourage you to even go and look at some trainings that you can take because because you know at the end of the day our concern for our clients is to encourage them to live longer and to live their best life. So if we can be catalysts in helping our clients live a better version of their life, then I think that we're doing pretty great. So as therapists, listen, we have to continue with our education. And so I hope these tips can help you feel more confident about doing suicide risk assessments via telehealth. Uh, Please feel free to join our Facebook Facebook group, the the hybrid practice when you get a chance and email me if you have any questions specific to telehealth and therapy. 
And you can email me at support at jessicabullock.org. So guys, until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, please rate, subscribe, and share with a friend. Take care.